Hello and welcome to FFS Fast Finance Sorted, your fun 15 minute financial education podcast. I'm Martin from Financial Health Club. I'm Beth, I'm from T-Sisters Accounting. And me, I'm Hilary Lewis from Winchester Corporate Finance and today's episode is sponsored by Reward Finance Group. I read an interesting story the other day that said that the average woman in the UK in her 20s will have £100,000 less in private pension savings at retirement than a man of the same age. And this is important because obviously women can also receive less than state pension benefits from being out of the workplace over many, many years. Um, why do you think that is, guys? It, I think the, the, the downside is, for a lot of women, is that there are less women in business, they don't know where they're supposed to be going you know, to who they're supposed to be speaking to. They don't network in, in the same way that men do. I think, you know, the whole glass ceiling thing that some people say like, oh, I don't believe in that. I don't believe. It is absolute nonsense that people think that women aren't at a disadvantage when it comes to their finances. It, things are getting better and businesses are getting more aware and doing more, but so much more financial education needs to be put in place um, for women because I think where they take a lot of time out for family life they then struggle within fitting their like pushing their career forward whether it's working for someone as you say like building up that pension pot or whether it's pushing forward with their own business um, and knowing exactly where to go and how to push forward with their businesses. I think it's so unrealistic as well when people say, oh, you know, taking time, well, of course, you're behind, you took time off to have kids and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, being out of the workplace, for for most people that have families, women are going to be out of the workplace for two, at least two, three years, depending on how many children you have. And the difference that two or three years can make in terms of career progression and promotions and all of that is huge. And obviously, with them comes salary increases. Um and it's a really tricky one to navigate because obviously someone that's been in the business for three more years would be the obvious choice to promote, would be the obvious choice to put forward to the job and that would usually be the male. So it's that whole thing around family structure and family life and how that's managed. Um, But also is there possibly things that employers could be doing to boost the pension contributions of people that have had time out to to start raising families? I don't know the answer to that, to be perfectly honest. But when people say, oh, there's no think, gender pay gap, there's a huge one. Yeah. I think, like, mm. certainly for a lot of businesses, I know, you know, I'm employed in within my position. I have so much flexibility to work around the kids. Like, that's what makes the difference for me. We, I would not be in my working job role now. You know, I start, I had, I've got two small children, um, but once they went back to school, I went back to work and I think the big issue is is that people forget that there are like six weeks off in the summer that you have to find childcare for two weeks off at Christmas two weeks off at Easter like a week off every six weeks it's crazy how much time off that someone is going to need even though their children are at school and it generally it falls on the woman in the relationship to be the primary carer and my uh, boss has been fa- fantastic in the sense he said like work from home don't do meetings over the school holidays I, I get it it's really hard he also knows I'm going to put 110% in the time when I am working because I want to prove myself I've got this whole big drive of like oh I want to be 
just as good as everyone else who isn't having to make adjustments around kids. Yeah, like I think just, that flexibility is key. Not only just with, with obviously the female, but having um, men in important positions, having that flexibility to, to work in a part-time role so that they can take ownership of maybe helping to raise children as well. That That is often not an offer. And there are some great companies out there. I think Diageo, for example, give you like, you know, 12 months paternity care. You know, they'll, they'll pay you full, which is an amazing benefit for, for men working in that kind of industry. But it doesn't happen enough. There's not that flexibility to, and, and the gender gap, obviously, uh, the pay gap becomes worse because it's predominantly the female that's expected to step out or to, or to leave the job completely for two or three years rather than have that flexibility where both partners could maybe be benefiting from still working and still being paid and still having pension contributions and I think you know there has to be a lot more done to certainly address the, the gender pay gap but a lot more to, done to increase that flexibility across the board for everyone to, to be able to uh, step out of the workforce when required to bring up children, or for, or to be a carer, or, or, or for anything in life that that maybe um, you know gets in the way of of them being uh, at their best. I just think it's so interesting thinking of gender pay gaps in terms of also the pension gap, because obviously we hear about gender pay gap all the time. But I think adding that pension element in is something that I don't often think about. You think about the sort of key. Yes, it affects your wages, but it, when you think it affects so much more than that. It becomes so much of a bigger picture. Yeah, it's massive. I, I had not even... To, uh, it's awful that I hadn't even kind of contemplated that it wasn't even on my peripheral. And I think it's the same with... I I feel like the education is what's lacking. If, if kids at school were taught about pensions, investments, just general money management, it would make a massive difference and it would probably set us off on a more level playing foot if girls and boys at school are both shown about money and it wasn't just um, something that you, you have to kind of pick up as you go. Yeah, I think that financial literacy is, is key, you know, the financial education, especially for women because by nature women will spend more time probably at the moment raising kids so they are going to be giving that financial education probably as a first port of call. Women also statistically live longer than men so they are going to need to look after finances you know so it's something that um, having that financial literacy increase from a young age for across the board is, is pivotal but um, making sure that, ev that everybody in the UK, regardless of gender, has the same level of education, pensions and, and have that knowledge is definitely key and something that I'm very passionate about trying to bring to my clients. That's fantastic. Um, so we've actually got one of the LinkedIn legends here ready to ask a question. Let's welcome him. Hi, I'm Sean, the behaviour change coach, and I help disheartened dieters get out of their desk chair and back in their favourite clothes that are hanging in the back of the wardrobe. And what I would love to know is how much money do I need to retire comfortably? Is there a set amount I should be putting aside a month? Um, and what would be that top figure that I would look in to achieve that I could have a comfortable life uh, once I'm retired? I'll take that question, I think, um, from Sean. Thank you, Sean. Um, that's a difficult question to answer on the basis that we are all unique and we all have a different definition of what comfortable means. Um, but to give you an idea, a comfortable standard of living based on the retirement living standards that currently exist would be a single person, about £37,000 a year, and a couple, £54,000 a year. 
Now, I suppose what you have to remember is that when you do retire, you're probably not going to be paying a mortgage. Your kids will probably have left home. You don't have as many insurances and things like that to pay. But if you're wanting that kind of financial freedom, some luxuries, you're probably going to need to hit those kind of figures. Now, for a lot of people, if you, if you calculate roughly what your, your, your expenditure would be in retirement, so let's say it was like £2,000 a month that you would need to spend, you're probably going to need a pot of roughly about 300 times that size. So you're going to need a pot of about £600,000, £3,000 a month, you're going to need closer to a million pounds. And I think those figures can be scary to some, but fundamentally that's why the stock market is so pivotal, because if you're, if you're using like cash savings, for example, and they're only getting 1 or 2% return, it's going to take you like 36 years at 2% to double your money. If you're investing in the stock market at 10% return, then it's only going to take you seven years to double your money, whether that's in a pension or whether it's in an investment. And that's where it's key, really, to, to get the retirement you want. You really need to make your money work harder. Um, and I think that's where the education system is, is pivotal, to make sure that we get everybody in the UK up to speed that making your money work harder for you is really what will bring that retirement forward and make it comfortable. Well, I mean, in, in respect of um, how much you should be putting in a month, that depends again on your age. If you're young, you can get away with much more minimal amounts. If you're coming into your 40s, it's going to have to be a larger figure, probably closer to £1,000 a month or more. Um, so it, it, really, it really is very dependent on age and circumstances and what you desire as a comfortable retirement. And there is obviously other things you can do um, in order to retire, like property as well. So what are your guys' thoughts on, on saving for retirement? About all I can add is from an accounting point of view, pensions are taxed really, not, like pensions are a really nice way to save yourself tax. So if you're trying to work out of extra ways to get money out your limited company you can put it in a pension yeah you don't get the money now but you get it for future you and it has those tax benefits and also if you're paying into a pension personally and you're a higher rate taxpayer again there's really nice tax benefits um it's about all i can say because pensions are regulated so speak to someone who actually knows what they're talking about but remember it's a really nice thing to do tax wise yeah, I, I don't actually have that much experience when it comes to pensions. Um, obviously, I deal with business finance now, um, but my my personal uh, situation was that I've been self-employed up until fairly recently. So um, I've actually always made investments and things like property and um, like the you know ISAs and the stock exchange as such more than I've done um, focused on a, on a pension scheme, which I, I do have one, but it's not my main, uh, where I envisage most of my money coming from for my retirement. So um, it's definitely, you do need to speak to someone who knows what they're, knows what they're talking about though, because I'm not the person to ask when it comes to pensions. I've, I'm very like sheepishly sat here going, oh, don't ask me any questions, please. <laughs> but something that I think we can ask you questions about, Hilary, is, have you watched the David Beckham documentary and what did you think? Oh, see, I haven't actually watched it. It's been on. So my husband has been watching it and it has been on in our house. So I have caught snippets, but um, I haven't like sat down and watched every single episode. Um, I, didn't Martin, didn't you, weren't we chatting about something? Like, I'm sure you told me something about David Beckham the other day. Yeah, I was. I was watching. I've not watched all the documentary, but I've watched a few of the episodes, 
And one of the things that he did the very first uh, Adidas contract, he signed, he got £50,000. And the very next day, he went out and bought an M3 car for exactly £50,000. And it just shows you that kind of money mindset of a lot of uh, top sportsmen when they think that that's going to last forever. And in Beckham's case, it has lasted forever. But it just shows you the dangers, as has happened to many footballers previously, when not having the, the attitude of saving some of that money or, or even in putting it into an asset which is going to appreciate instead of depreciate. So, like Beckham, even Gary Neville was laughing and some of the other football players at that kind of extravagance of using the full £50,000 that you're paid the very next day without thinking about any potential injuries in the future or, or anything else that he could have done with the money. So it is important, you know, like if you, if you get that £50,000 to think a bit about saving, to think a bit about the future. And I think that's, that, that's really, really key. I mean, it, in, in Beckham's case, it worked out for the greater good. But in so many cases, it goes wrong. Um, so what, what would you guys do if you were handed a £50,000 contract tomorrow? Oh, that is a good question. I'd like. I'd. I mean, my heart of hearts. I'm like. I want to go. I want to go shopping. I want to do. What, I want to go on a nice holiday. That's where I, I quite like the idea of that. But in my little sensible brain, I'd definitely be like, mm, I'm going to put some of this for something specific, whether it be you know into to a buy to let property perhaps, or putting it in. You go go and speak to you guys. Like like right, accountant. Where should I be investing this and where should I be focusing this, this like, you know, at least half of it? I'd, I'd like to keep half, perhaps, but splurge the rest of it. What <laughs> I about think, you, Beth? I think for me, I mean, me and Martin share this goal of property abroad, because I need more sun in my life. So actually, if I got 50k, <laughs> it would probably be going straight on a holiday home. Um, but at least then, it's kind of sensible mostly for me but it's just luck that that goal happens to align in that putting money into property a lot of people say is a good thing to do for the future who knows but also it means I get holidays because my instant thought was holiday um, <laughs> so yeah I'm spending it yeah. on a holiday yeah. I'm with you, I'm with you on that <laughs> I'm with you there. Like I was in Seville last week, it was 38 degrees, and it is two degrees in Scotland this morning. So, definitely, property abroad is 100% the way to go for anybody that lives in Scotland. <laughs> it's the best of both, isn't it? Really. Yeah. You're now selling me. I was thinking I wanted a holiday, but now I'm thinking no. Actually, yeah, you're right. Holiday abroad. Holiday. Holiday home abroad would be fine. You've just then got to hope that no one cancels any flights for you to get there best of both worlds have it made land europe and then you can drive <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you for joining us today i hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have today's episode has been sponsored by reward finance group thanks for listening <laughs> the first 10 people to leave a five-star review and tag us in a linkedin post using hashtag ffs fast finance sorted will get a coffee on us yeah